Oh, what? Only a-holes play follow me. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to house party protocol. Power up suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today, I have my good friends from all the way across the big blue ocean. It is the one and only Aaron and John from the Web Warriors Protocols. How are you doing, fellas? I'm doing very well, thank you, Will. Yourself? Oh, you know, it's... uh. It's been an up and down bit of time the, the last week or so, but you know, we're plugging along. We're here for the content, for the community, and I'm excited uh, after missing last week to be back in action. Yeah, definitely good to join you again. And unfortunately, we just had scheduling issues last week, didn't we, where we just couldn't, um, just couldn't find the time. Yeah, just couldn't find the, find the time. As, much like I can't find the words to describe it, we couldn't find the time to um, set it up. But we're back now, we're here, so um, everyone can listen to us and love our accents from across the pond that I'm sure you all hate. Oh no, we love it. Look, I, I, uh, I, I will say, you know, I'm going to just speak for America here. I'm going to just take this one and say that most Americans like a British accent, you know? I don't think we, we've got British accents. We've got like, Warsaw and West Midlands accents, haven't we? I was about to say, is that the standard British accent or the one that you get on American TV where we all sound like royalty? Uh, the, definitely the TV one. I was thinking more like a Cockney accent. You know, that's really what people love. Okay. <laughs> no, we'll see what we can do for you moving forward. Well. <laughs> yeah, it's a, if you don't know what a Cockney accent is, just do yourself a favor and Google it because it's pretty wonderful. Oh, particularly if you get their apples and pears talk. It's amazing. <laughs> exactly. So... Anyways, fellas, it's really good to have you guys on, and I'm excited for today's show because we've gotten some spoilers recently from Atomic Mass Games around the upcoming Hydra set, and we've got some more tactics cards revealed that we're going to talk about. And then something I really want to talk about that we haven't done here in quite a long time, and I know there's a ton of new people out there and, and a ton of people coming into this game that don't really have any experience or anything, and that's roster building. and Maybe not necessarily get into a super deep, like, choose this character over that character type discussion, but some general roster discussion, because I think we're at a point in the game where we can comfortably say that things have changed enough to where maybe you have to look at roster building a little bit differently. So I'm excited to dive into these things and, uh, yeah, maybe hit some show questions after that. So without further ado, let's dive right in to these Hydra tactics cards that we got here and these are coming with red skull and the hydra troopers which are coming out in october 12th i want to say so like a, a week or two isn't it yeah 12th 14th whichever the friday is of that week yeah. so not long away now about a week yeah from when we're recording this i should say so 
Anyways, I'm excited for these, and we've already gotten a few of these. If you want to go back and listen to a couple episodes ago, we had Occult Research, Victory Assured, and Inevitable Betrayal that we talked about already. But we have four other ones here, and I want to start with this one called Endless Legions, because I think this one is very interesting. So it's called Endless Legions. It is a Hydra-affiliated tactics card. It is reactive. During the power phase, Red Skull, Master of Hydra, may play this card. So you has to be played during the power phase, and only Red Skull, Master of Hydra, can do it. Each time an allied Hydra troopers would be KO'd this round, remove all damage from them, they are not KO'd, then an opposing player pushes them short instead. I think this is really interesting, and as we remember from the Hydra Troopers, they have a superpower that they can use to allow themselves to KO, which I find to be very interesting. Do you feel like that this is a card that you're going to use a lot if you're playing Hydra, John? Um, I don't know is my honest answer. I've found from playing kind of like grunts so far that they have a very specific use and that you yeah. kind of want them where they need to be. And mm -hmm. I think the option of them not KOing, but then being pushed short by the opposing player probably puts them out of place. Um, it's not something that's jumped out immediately to me as, oh, I definitely want that. But I'm fairly sure there are going to be some unique uses to it. I'm just not feeling it personally right now. I got you. Aaron, what about you? Yeah, so for me at the minute, it's a really strange card. I think um, we'll have to wait and see sort of the nuance of it and how it's going to be played, and uh, someone is going to have to take some time and figure it out. For me, on the face of things, as I said, it's very, very odd. Um, you've got the option to KO yourself, which I assume might be where the interaction is going to be the most interesting. But again, it does put you out of position. Unless I think what you'll find people trying to do is backstop the grunts against something. Uh, so essentially they'll just stay where they are and not be affected by the push. It's a little bit weird though. Um, and I think it'll be hard to set up in a way that really gets a lot of use out of a tactics card. Yeah, and you mentioned setting up to backstop. The push is omnidirectional. It just says then an opposing player pushes them short instead. Yeah, so the only uh, situation is more... Uh, I should have I should have gone into more detail. Rather than just backstopped, is to have something behind them and or maybe someone in front of them so that they're pinned in in a way that can only be pushed in two directions. But even then, it's not truly backstopped, and there are still display displacement options there. So it's never gonna really be perfect, Sadler. Yeah, and this is one of those cards where I, I agree with you in that it's gonna take some time to figure out the best pattern to use this card. I don't see it necessarily being one that you're going to see in every Hydra list right off the rip. But I definitely think there's some interesting play that can be done with it. And it's important also to remember how the Hydra Troopers come into play. So I'll remind everyone here, Red Skull Master of Hydra has a superpower. It is innate. Cut off one head. If an allied Hydra Troopers is not in play when this character is chosen to activate place them into play within range one of this character. They gain a stagger token and are part of your squad. So 
when you're looking at a superpower like this or a tactics card like this, the one we're talking about here, it's really interesting because if you activate Red Skull and the Hydra Troopers are already out there, then you do your little KO thing, the, the Hydra Assault that they have where they can move short, make an attack, or, or get re-rolls on their next attack. That's what it is. And um, you do all of that stuff, right? Then they can't be placed back into play. They can only be, you know, come back from being KO'd there and just push short. So, like, I feel like you're less, you have less flexibility, right? And and that's one of those things that I feel like is going to have to kind of be figured out of, like, when is the best time to use this or not. and. I, I don't I just don't know. But I find it really interesting and intriguing and thematically it makes so much sense. I kinda love it. Yeah, I get where they're coming from with the design and the concept of it. I just don't know whether its execution is gonna play off uh sort of as intended as I think as you said, having the omnidirectional push to push in any direction is just really, really quite detrimental as it, it you can sort of backstop it and surround them. But again, it's not very likely. So it's going to be interesting to see. And if someone can make a good use out of it, then I'm definitely excited to see that. Absolutely. So the next Tactics card that we have revealed here is another one that I find to be very interesting and especially thematic. Two more shall rise. It's Hydra Tactics card, so you have to be playing the Hydra affiliation. It is reactive. When an allied Hydra character with an active leadership ability is KO'd, another allied character may play this card. Choose two allied characters with Hydra or Cabal leadership abilities. Both chosen characters' leadership abilities (laughs) become active. What in the world is this card, Aaron? So this is a bit of a bonkers card. I think on the face of things, it's pretty insane. Um, and then I think really, though, to get the most out of it, you want to play into it and maybe try and get the single extract. If you can get that onto your initial leader and go, look, you're going to have to dazzle KO me to get it off of me. Uh, sorry, you're going to have to KO me to get it off of me. Then you're sort of setting up an opportunity to play this card. It's it's hard to get off just because you do need to have those three characters in your active team. Uh, so we're talking, say, Strucker or the new Red Skull as your current leader, as well as the other one of them and a Cabal leader in your team to get the most out of it. But it's definitely doable. I think it's going to be really interesting. I think if you can pull this off, uh, some of the combinations are pretty nasty, such as giving the opponent conditions to heal yourself, but also gaining extra power combined with different leadership. It's going to be really interesting to say. Yeah, John, let me ask you, do you see this being a card where, like, you start the game with a Strucker leadership, and he's a little squishier than the other ones. You start it with him, and you just, like, here, kill me, please. And then you've got, like, a Malekith and a and a Red Skull Master of Hydra Chill. That'd be a lot of threat. But, like, is is that even a thing? It's a yeah, I, I I think there's a way to play into it. I think it's kind of a mini trap, I think, if you want to set up something like Malekith and Red Skull left and you feed somebody Strucker, you may not have built the best optimal list. Um, 
But I do think there are some combinations of leaderships once you've lost your initial leader that could be really good together. I can see it making a lot of Hydra lists in terms of the 10 cards, because if you're building a Hydra slash Cabal mix, you're probably putting in a multitude of leaders. Yeah. But as for how often it will see the table, I don't know. But it is going to be absolutely bonkers when it does, because there's two leaderships to try and remember. There's two leaderships to interact with. You're probably getting double bonuses from whichever leaders you've now got active. I think it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun when it gets off. I yeah. just don't know how often it's going to get off. Well, another fun interaction with it is it says a choose two characters with a Hydra or Cabal. So you could have two Cabal leaders. Like You could potentially have like a Sin and Korbox Red Skull leadership, both of those active at the same time. I could see something like yeah. that being fun. And that's it. I think that's some of the combos. So you could be generating additional power while also pushing your enemies away from objectives and forcing them to drop any kind of assets now. And that's after you've probably been handing over loads of status conditions and healing. So it can get pretty bonkers. I think it could be pretty fun. I'm excited to see what people come up with it, is my honest answer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and it's just funny to me that it's like only the Hydra character with the active leadership is the one that has to be KO'd. And let's not forget, it's a dice game. So KOing people is hard. But at the same time, man, I could, I totally could see someone just being like, here, kill my Strucker, please, 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 please kill my Strucker. And then, like they do, and now it's like, okay, cool, I've got these two leadership abilities. But let's, let's also think about this from a, you know, game flow perspective, right? By the time you KO someone, unless you have the, the tools to do it, like, you have priority and you're going to be able to like turn one days, turn two KO kind of stuff, like really try to set that up. It won't be until turn three, maybe four when maybe even five, when, when this kind of thing could be active, like unless you're like actively trying to get your opponent to KO your model, then, so I see this kind of like one of those where could be a bit of a trap, but when it happens, it's going to be fun as hell. Oh, and yeah, that's where I stand on it. Is I'm not convinced it's massively useful for you as a player, but I am convinced it's going to be highly entertaining once it goes off. And just trying to keep track of it all and watch your opponent try to work out what they can and can't do will be amazing. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I, I think it's really cool. Aaron, do you have any other thoughts on this card? Um, Again, I think that it's... It is very interesting. There's a lot of different combinations for when you do potentially get the card off and have two leaderships in play. Strucker and New Red Skull are both very good characters, though. So I think the downside of you in a situation where one of them's being KO'd um, could mean you're in a bit of trouble. You could always play for it with no matter the cost to quickly get yourself onto your injured side and then sort of have your opponent tossing and turning as they've sort of got to deal with your character, but they don't really want to KO them. So it, it could be interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No matter the cost is definitely one that uh, could really play into it a little bit. And I think that there's a lot of fun, fun things you can do. And I'm excited to see it. And what could really be insane. This is just like one of those, like, let's just, let's just be ridiculous. Shall we? So you only get five tactics cards, so I'm not going to count up how many it would take to do this, but this would be super fun. So you're playing this tactics card. You've got two more shall rise. Let's say that Strucker was your leader, and now he is KO'd. 
So you've got OG Red Skull and, and let's say Sin. Let's just use those two as an example. So both of their leaderships become active. So now you've got these two Cabal leaderships active. So you can play something like a Cosmic Invigoration and Follow Me and Dark Rain all of a sudden. And like that could be so much fun. Now, obviously, that would be massively telegraphed with your five tactics cards in hand. If you're like, okay, well, he's planning on trying to switch to Cabal. Let me not kill Strucker. But nevertheless, that sounds like something super fun to try to do in a casual game. Yeah, I guess the question with that realistically, and this is just me thinking out loud because I've just asked Aaron quietly, is do you then become Cabal when your leadership switches, or do you still remain Hydra-affiliated with a Cabal leadership? The question is whether you'd be able to take the cards at the start of the game that you can't use, and then whether you become able to use them after playing this card. So that's a really interesting question, because I think that, sure, you can't play those cards, but who? Like I don't know if you can't have them in your hand of tactics cards. I don't know if there's anything necessarily stopping you taking no. cards you can't play. I don't believe there is. Um, but it's whether the fact that you can't play them at the start then changes after playing this card or not. Yeah. It says that the leadership's become active. Um, so I think it's just a, a, a matter of checking out the nuance and the details of yeah. the interactions between what actually enables you to play a tactics card. Because up until now, we've never, ever had this. Um, we've had versatile strategy, which swaps from one leadership to another of the same affiliation. Same affiliation. Yeah. So it doesn't matter there as much. We've never had something where you go from one leadership to another um, affiliation one. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a question for any of the rules lawyers out there. Let's uh, let's find that answer out because it's uh, I'm really curious because that would be just bonkers fun. Yeah, it sounds amazing, and you, you could literally look at your opponent and be like, "Oh, I know what they're going to do, but can I stop them swapping it out and becoming a nightmare?" So it could be entertaining to see somebody do. It's just a case of whether AMG decide we can't. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully they do. Hopefully that's that's what happens. I'd love to see it, so that'd be nice. Absolutely. So next up. We have another Hydra tactics card, World Domination. It's an active card. If you control all secure objective tokens, an allied Hydra character may play this card. You gain one VP for every two secure objective tokens you are securing. Additionally, each character you control gains one power for every two secure objective tokens you are securing. Now, I'm pretty sure this card's already had an errata. Or they've said that it's going to have an errata. Because, if I remember correctly, there's something on the rules form about it. I'm going to look that up real quick while Aaron tells us what he thinks about this card. I think it's definitely very interesting. I think on the right scenario, uh, it's going to be really powerful. So superpower scoundrels, uh, mutant madmen where there's four points. Basically anything where there's four or more points, you've got a potential of getting two extra VP from this. It's going to be really big because as we've always seen, cards that give you VPs are hugely powerful. We've got Usurp the Throne as an example, which is ultimately stapled to Killmonger. But it's a phenomenal card, and if you get it off, it can really swing the sway of the game. I've had games where I've played Usurp the Throne, 
And at the end of the game, I've won. But if you take those two VPs off, we're drawn because it suddenly gives you a new dimension, a new style of play. Mm-hmm. So having me to sort of push an early lead or make up for a loss and you're on a comeback turn could be really, really powerful, especially on a turn where if you've managed to daze and kill everyone, you just your characters are active. Uh, you can really double down and get the most out of it and sort of really prepare for when their characters bounce back. Yeah, absolutely. So I just looked up the errata on this, and Goldar in the rules forum said that it'll be uh, errated to say, are securing instead of control in the first sentence of the card. So basically, if you are securing all secure objective tokens, an allied character may play this card. So what that means and the difference between that is basically you have to be standing there next to it, I think, in order to be considered securing. That doesn't, does that mean, or have I got that backwards? No, no, that's correct, because controlling are the pay-to-flip ones, aren't they, where you, like, pay power, you interact and run off because your token's on it? Yeah. Whereas securing, you're standing next to so I think that's right. Yeah, so, and, and that allows for the Hydra Troopers to be a part of this equation as well. I've brought them up multiple times here, but they have a superpower occupation force. This character cannot pick up, hold, or interact with the extract objective tokens. This no, character they do come for skills. Yep, this character does not have to pay power to interact with secure objective tokens. So what that means is they they can interact with secure tokens and stand there and and all of that fun stuff. So be prepared to see this card, I would think. Anytime you're playing against a Hydra team. And it's one that I find to be very interesting. Like you said, Aaron, and those wider secures, so the anything with four or even five, like the superpowered scoundrels. But one of the things I find interesting about this is even on something like a gamma or intrusions or demons, where there's only three, if you can just have two of those and then get that additional VP, that's gonna add up. And that's going to play a really big part. I think, over the course of a long game. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't really see a downside to this card. I like this one because, as you say, on lower scoring kind of scenarios, for example, Demons, instead of maybe scoring two, you're then scoring an additional VP, so your lead is almost doubled because your opponent can only score one that way Yeah. before you obviously take into account Extracts. I think it's really good on low scorings. But it's also equally as good on stuff, as we've mentioned, like Scoundrels. If you're controlling three, you're scoring a couple of extra VPs. Your lead is starting to really skyrocket. I really, really like it. I think it has a lot of play, and it is very strong for Hydra. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people try to think about, like, the extract lead when it comes to how to, you know, take advantage of the point scoring and stuff like that. And if you're a Hydra player and you have this card, you're able to kind of feel a little better about maybe being down an extract because you can kind of turn that tide at the right time to set up for a future turn. So I like stuff like that that kind of brings these interesting decision points into the game. Yeah, I, I think it's a really nice card. You don't have to panic over running into the middle to try and grab that fifth spider and whether or not you're going to get dazed or shot. You can literally ignore it and be like, I'll be okay later on, it's fine. Exactly. So that's all for the new tactics cards we had. Inevitable Betrayal and Sleeper Agent, I think, are ones that we've already seen before. Yeah. So, I, I all in all, I gotta say, I think Hydra is 
very interesting affiliation that I know locally specifically there's a bunch of people that are stoked to play it and it's one that trying to solve that puzzle has proven a little hard for me lately but I think it's pretty fun and interesting. I um I happened to play against them at the weekend. As did I. Uh, <laughs> I actually lost to them, which is pretty interesting. Um, wait, 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 wait. You lost a match again? Yeah. We've talked, yeah, yeah, no. we've talked about this, becoming, Aaron. It's becoming more common, I know. You're going to have to kick me off the show soon. No more features. <sighs> I mean, look, but, um, you, you're just you're collapsing down the rankings at this point. I mean, you're in total free fall down the long shanks ranking. You're all yeah. the way in third now. Like, yes. you know. Just, just the end of a, end of a, a great period in time, unfortunately. But it is what it is. I'm sure I'll be able to get back up there soon enough. Um, but yeah, I lost to Ron, one of my closest friends. Um, it was a crazy game. Well, I have to say, we ha- genuinely in the 500 or more games I played, I think we had the craziest moment in this game ever. Um, so Ron had Bob, agent of Hydra, and. He decided to launch his rocket at Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. Now, out of spite, pure spite this was, I went, you know what? I'm going to lifesaver him. And Ron went, well, what are you going to do that for? He's not going to get out of range. I was like, because watch this. So I lifesavered him into a position where his explosion hit nine characters. Oh, my God. <laughs> so the one attack dealt 22 damage across nine different characters. It was pretty epic. Wow. That's bananas. That's... Yeah, so I think in total it did two damage to... Uh, so the initial attack did four damage to Miles Morales. Then the explosion did two damage to my Gwen, Moon Knight, Black Cat, Mystique. But then because of where I've lifesavered Bob 2, it also dealt two damage to Arnim Zola, X-23, Baron Zemo, Baron Strucker, and the Human Torch. So it was pretty crazy. Oh uh, we just gosh. had to pause for a moment to just sort everything out. Yeah, that's one of those where you just stand back, you give a little little golf clap, you know, you're like, all right, I have succeeded for the day. Yep. <laughs> so oh, it was a, a frizzy game, and then Strucker picked up a Montessi formula, and it was just brutal combined with his arrogance. So just absolutely crazy game. Nice. That's awesome. John, did you have a, a pretty banger of a game against Hydra as well? Uh, I also played Ron, and that was my only loss in the tournament the weekend. Um, he took Scarlet Witch and um, Omega Red and was just handing out an obscene amount of conditions and any time his own characters got anything or it was just back. I mean, I had Winter Soldier with Hex, Bleed and Poison and Stun and then Kingpin got one shot by Scarlet Witch with Kick and While They're Down because he had Hex, Bleed, Stun and something else. It was It was an absolute nightmare. The first two turns, I thought I was doing pretty well. I was up on points. I was looking good. And then the status conditions and the healing from that leadership just started to come back, and it just it fell apart very, very quickly. Nice, nice. Yeah, I played a, a local guy, Yusuf, with Winter Guard. I was goofing around. I was like, oh, Winter Guard into Hydra. Seems like it'd be kind of fun, right? That makes a lot of sense. And he just deleted me. Like, he had some hot dice, but he just it was really good. It was a really fun game. And... I say all this to say that I think Hydra is one of those where, like, you know, building that roster around the conditions, finding those little synergies, like, I know Mega Red is a very popular choice for Hydra for good reason, 
I mean, him and Strucker, they love each other. He, he was practically unkillable. He was healing every time he was handing off a leadership. Then he was naturally healing anyway. Then he heals from his builder. I'm, I swear I must have legitimately KO'd him about four times throughout the course of the game, and I didn't even flip him. I was just like, what is happening? Yep, exactly. So it's one of those funny and interesting things that I think that their affiliation that is going to be fun to play, but I also think that they're going to be like, when they're played really well, it's going to be a thing of beauty because it's like the beautiful game. You know what I mean? Like everybody, I don't know, over there they have basketball. I know you guys have football, like we call soccer over here. But like, you know, like it's it's pretty at times, right? Like you see certain players and you're like, man, that's, you know, that that is a pretty like set piece they did there to to get that goal. Or like over here for us, like I relate it to basketball. And, you know, the beautiful game in basketball is where like, you know, some would say the Golden State Warriors play that here. Not that you guys know who that is, but I'm sure somebody out there listening does. And it's like a lot of ball movement, a lot of shooting, all that fun stuff. And I could see something like Hydra being that in Marvel Crisis Protocol, where it's just like this this ballet on the tabletop yep. of conditions and healing and removing things and popping superpowers and doing these weird random things that just all fit together like a beautiful puzzle. And and it's it's fun. It's a fun time. You know, we're not going to talk about flying kitties, but it's a fun time in the game in that regard. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I personally really want to give them a go. Uh, Hydra is one of the first releases in a long, long, long time that I've been looking forward to. So I'm likely to maybe try them out at some point. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Well, one of the things that we have to do, because I missed last week, is give the suits a secret code word for our giveaways. We're going to do two secret code words, the first of which we're going to nail down right now. And the reason why I want to nail it down right now is because I think I came up with what the secret code word should be. Let me ask you guys what you think. The beautiful game. I like that. I'm happy with that. Works for me. Yeah. So that's your first secret code word for this week. You're going to get another one later. So stay tuned. The beautiful game send me that on facebook or on discord if you're part of our discord community you can find that at patreon.com slash house party protocol for as little as a dollar a month or 12 bucks a year you can come and be a part of our amazing discord community it's super chill it's a lot of fun really good really active but also not like gonna blow you up with notifications it's always a kind environment everyone's really great even schultzy <laughs> see i can say that because schultz and i you know we're bros so no it's it's really great and and it's really fun i've never seen any kind of you know negativity in in the sense of like you know people can criticize and i love a healthy criticism and healthy discussion like we have in this discord channel but it's also you know it's never unwarranted unfair and it's never mean-spirited it's always a place of joy and i i just love that and it's one of the things that makes me so happy with the community that we fostered over there on the discord channel so check that out and uh, also you can send us emails housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com so we're doing a giveaway for sentinels we're going to give away the sentinel prime plus the mark four pack and that'll be uh, kicking off i think next week or the week after they release so uh Stay tuned for that. Make sure you enter all that fun stuff. And now, gentlemen, 
I want to ask you guys about your recent events because y'all are still just kicking off with tournaments left and right over there. Aaron, how'd you perform? Yeah, so we are still cranking them out. Um, I think the last, or, or have been a lot quieter on tournaments, um, at least by my own standards because of the YouTube and sort of getting that done. But recently I've attended three events, I think. So I've done two at Sanctuary Games and one at Element Games. Uh, I've managed to go 4-0, and 4-0, and then 3-1 and at the most recent one, uh, where I lost to Ron. Again, he's an absolute great player, really, really close mate of mine as well. So it's never um, never a bad day when I lose to Ron because I know he deserves it as much as anyone else. He's honestly a great player. I think he currently holds five of the top-ranked affiliation badges on long, long shanks. So he's just he's just bonkers. He just plays everything. That's awesome. Um but honestly, really good event. I hosted my own one on Sunday, just gone, which I'm sure John will be able to tell you about as well, which I think went reasonably well. Uh, we've been booking in events for next year. So I'm also expanding to some Middle Earth events alongside MCP events, as well as overseeing the Infinity Series over here. So it's lots and lots of fun, uh, lots of stress, you know, managing 15 or so events in a year. But it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, good. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. And, you know, I'm I'm excited for what the future is going to bring because we've got a lot of good events coming up here. Like I'm actually going to Warfare Weekend myself. Uh, that'll be coming up at the beginning of November. So I'm really excited to do that. And then we've got a slow grow league that we're doing here locally that is really fun. I won my first match in that against my buddies, like all charges all the time, cabal list. And no, yeah, he... So we had a stipulation in this slow grow that you can't put Malekith in till week four. And so he didn't have Malekith. Thank God. I would not have won. But it was, it was a fun game. And I, I definitely made some mistakes, but I learned from those mistakes. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a really good time. John, what has it been like for you with the, the gaming scene over there? Have you been sticking to your X-Men or are you branching out a little bit? I, I've branched out. Um, I obviously played 18 months of X-Men. And I did not get bored of X-Men in any way, shape, or form, but thought I've spent hundreds of pounds on lots of other models. I should probably try something else. <laughs> um, so I've the last two events I've attended, I've run Crimson. Um, so I went 4-0 and and 3-1 and at Aaron's the weekend. So that is a far greater win rate than I ever achieved with the X-Men. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I've probably won priority 65, 70% of the time. And with Kingpin's leadership, that's a huge help. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's it's nice to play something that isn't X-Men related. So I might stick with Crimson a little bit. I've run a bit of Daredevil, but not as much as I'd like. Um, and then maybe I'm really tempted, having seen Pyro and Blob recently, to give Brotherhood a run out. So to move back to Mutants, but maybe the other side of things. Nice, nice. Yeah, those guys look really cool. Like, like that's that is those characters. You know what I mean? Like they, we'll talk about the sculpts where they reveal the cards and everything and the overall. But like they they showed off like what the model's going to look like and it's all painted up and it's so funny because it literally looks like a scene out of the cartoon. Oh yeah, it's, oh yeah. That is Pyro and Blob from my childhood when I got up at like six thirty in the morning, turned on ITV, and that's where they were. They, that they just, just look perfect. They look so good. Blob, honestly, I think is one of my favorite characters. He just looks awesome, man. I just really like him. He does. It's such a simple thing, but he just looks awesome. Yes, exactly. So, 
yeah, I'm I'm definitely stoked for those two. And you know, we are are now in this new era of Marvel Crisis Protocol, if you will. And it's one of those things where when we're building a list, there's so much on the banned and restricted list now. There's there's so much kind of nuance. There's so many different affiliations. You know, you can put together all kinds of different stuff. Would you say that there's any like kind of definitive do this in roster building or is it kind of a feel thing or, or, or at this point john i don't think there's any definitive must do's i think the only kind of real must do is to make sure that you can stay affiliated at any threat value and then i think after that it's kind of fair game splashing whatever you like stick as closely as you want to affiliated only characters you can maybe build some stuff around your tactics cards. The only real must do for me is make sure you can hit every threat value with an affiliation amount and then go for it. Yeah. And it's funny that you say, you know, stick affiliation, all that stuff. Most affiliations at this point, not all, but most have enough like nuance and minutia within their character availability that you can not have to worry as much about the splash character. Now, granted, you know, Obviously, everything I say around this is kind of like the specter of a winged beast is like hanging over my head when I say this stuff. But like, you know, splashing in a mal is obviously like the thing right now. But yeah, if you're if you're not going that route, you can easily get away with like playing criminal syndicate with no splash characters. I think you know it's it's maybe not you you lose a little bit of optimization not having someone like a winter soldier in there, but he's a rogue agent, so he can kind of be affiliated, or maybe you lose out by not having someone like, uh, I mean, I don't even know. Who else would, would be like this really great splash character in there? John, you would, you would know. You'd play him, right? Yeah, I think you've got a couple of good characters in there. I mean, Venom is useful at the minute for oh, his yeah. inbuilt healing in there. Oh, yeah. Um, that's really good for keeping him alive on points and him counting too. Crimson Dynamo, I think, is amazing in there with his ability to place himself, his beams. He's exceptionally good. Um, but to be honest, I'm very much affiliated as Crimson all the way through Bar Bucky, as you just stated, and that's how I've always built my rosters, to be honest. Yeah. But there are some solid splashes. But as you just said, you don't really lose anything, realistically, by staying affiliated. Yeah. Yeah, and... And that's, you know, just one example. And I feel like that we're in this place in this game right now where you can do that in a lot of ways. Like for me with Convocation and how I play my Convocation specifically, I definitely splash a lot of out-of-affiliation characters into that. But I do know from experience that I can play a pretty pure Convocation list and feel good about it. You know, it's... I say you'd know... Way too much. I've just realized that. I need to stop. It's basically my um. So it's okay, you know. You know. Oh, there we go. Did it again. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that'll be another secret code word. But no. So it's interesting when when we're looking at this roster building and thinking about characters and synergies and stuff like that, and like Hydra as an example, trying to find those extra conditions you can throw on people the omega red of it all he's a very popular choice for hydra right now but he's not affiliated but he's cabal affiliated so building a 
Hydra and Cabal combo affiliation, dual affiliation list makes a lot of sense. And it's one of those things where I think for me, when I, I go trying to look at list building and stuff like that, I'm definitely looking more in this dual affiliation range because there's so much out there for options and everything, but I don't necessarily think that you have to. Aaron, I want to bring it to you. Do you feel like that the splash character is getting less and less prevalent other than the one, or do you feel like that you're still going to want to take these like hyper-efficient splashes like a Medusa or, or someone else like that out of affiliation? I think that now, more so than ever, a lot of affiliations can stand on their own feet and not have to call in anyone else from a different affiliation. I mean, you look at Avengers, Cabal, they're the two most obvious because they've just got such a wide berth of characters to choose from. Um, but again, Criminal Syndicate now are an extremely well-established affiliation. The X-Men are extremely well-established uh, with some of the more recent releases. S.H.I.E.L.D., even as a new affiliation, have absolutely shot up in terms of uh, sort of body count on who they have that's an affiliated choice. A-Force is another one, lots and lots of characters to choose from. Even Web Warriors, to be fair, if, if you look at it, we've got seven or eight people now. Uh, it's a pretty decent little turnout. I think to cover all grounds, you are probably going to want to splash in one or two characters. I don't necessarily think there's anyone that is a go-to you must splash in in every roster. I think Bucky is talked about a lot, and I think he does fit into lots and lots of rosters, and he is very, very strong. Again, you yeah. said yourself, Will uh, Malakith. I personally don't think I'd gain anything from having Malakith in my roster. John, I don't know about you. I, I understand why he's so good, why people don't like to either play against him or see him across the table, but I, I don't think you need to be taking any specific character in any affiliation. I think you can run what you want, run all affiliated, or just splash in the characters you like personally or the ones you think are good competitively, and you'll get on fine in all of those situations. Yeah, I, I really agree with you there in that we're at a really great state in the game overall. I, I know this is not an opinion that everyone shares, and I know why, and I understand why. But, and and is it is it fair, let me ask you, Aaron, is it fair to act like Malekith doesn't exist when we're talking about the state of the game, or do we have to... Like I don't want to. I don't want Malekith to dominate the conversation, and and he, it seems like he does at times. But I feel like we have to at least acknowledge that. But take him mm. out of the equation, and and we're in a really solid state of affairs. I think. I honestly don't think it's as bad as people are making out at all. So, um, the last three events I've been at myself, I think Malekith hasn't been in any of the top three rosters. I know over this weekend, just gone, um, there wasn't a Malekith in the top three at Sanctuary or at my event at Bordingbrum. I really don't think he dominates um, the meta as much as people think. I know people will be shouting me down, uh, probably most likely TTS players where they've got every access to everything, so it's, a, it's very easy to just take what is seen as the best characters. But at least in sort of local metas, local tournament scenes, I really don't think that Malekith is this huge issue. I definitely think he needs to be acknowledged, but I don't. I personally don't think he breaks the game. I've played against him. Um, Ron, as we spoke about, another really good player. He's undefeated into Malekith uh, and doesn't run him himself. 
John, I know you've never used Malakith. I can't really think any of think of any top players on the on the scene over here running him. I know Pat Dunford's using him, um, but to be honest, Pat does well with whatever he takes. Um, I know he has said at times that he will take whatever he thinks is the best, and it is fair to say Malakith is very strong, but I don't think that that's Malakith carrying Pat. I think that's the fact Pat's a good player anyway. But sure. we're seeing players take Malakith and not do very well at events because he's he's not the be-all and end-all. So ultimately, I don't think he's that huge of a problem. I think it's very much a matter of on the internet, lots of people shout quite loudly when really there's no need um, kind of thing. Yeah, that that's fair. I, I mean, I'm kind of in the middle. I think that he's he's got his issues. I do think that it's one of those things where it's the the current boogeyman and and there's always going to be a new boogeyman and yeah, just, exactly. that that's our one right now and that's fine yeah. you know he's he's very strong all that fun stuff but in terms of when you look at the broader picture of where crisis protocol is right now i think that that that's in a really good place like we've got a really strong banned and restricted list i think i think that the cards that are on there are are right to be on there you know i wish Advanced R&D had never changed, but it makes sense. I get it. It's still one of those where I wish that uh, I could still just, hey, my character's about to die, and they're loaded up with power. Have some power, friends, and it's not their turn. Yeah. But you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. So it's it's just one of those things where when when we're talking about building a roster and and you're you're wanting to look at at how to build something that you can just take to a tournament, I don't think that you have to play around anything particular maybe you can no, say no. play around mal a little but i don't think you necessarily need to like just have this there's no one answer for that right i and, mean there's always going to be cards that are universally good takes um in given situations so mission objective is the best example if you're playing a single extract everyone benefits from having mission objective in the same way that if you're playing against a team that has lots of stealth you benefit from Mark for death. Yeah. However, I don't think you need to have either of those cards in every roster. Um, I think it comes down to player preference, personal preference, and sort of how you want to run your team. This shows the most with band and restricted because you can only take two, but there's never two that everyone is just taking, for example. Oh, yeah. So I think that's a good representative of the fact that like, the meta isn't defined in such a way that it's like, cool, so welcome to competitive protocol. This is what you need to take. It's not that at all. Um, and I don't think it will be at any point soon. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's interesting when you talk about like, you know, what to take mission objective marked for death. Those are really good unaffiliated cards to take. I, I also want to think like, you know, when it does come to the ban and restricted list, I can't quit brace for impact. Like I, I will never not take that. I don't think because Lord knows I've just been hit in the face with too many size four pieces of terrain in my time to where it's like, I'm going to need this. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's a great example because on the other hand, Will, I personally don't really like Bryce. I don't run it. I mean, I, I understand like the the sort of upsides to it. I think the best way to do it is, Will, what are your, in your latest roster that you've wrote, what are your two banned and restricted cards? Uh, it would be Brace for Impact and Indomitable is what I've been running for the most, but I'm, on the fence of taking one of those out. 
Yeah, so you've got Bryce and Indomitable. John, what are your two most recent? My two in my most recent are exactly the same as Will's. So you've got Bryce and Indomitable. I've got Bryce and Indomitable. I've got Patrick Advanced R&D. Mm-hmm. So you and Will do have similarities in what you're taking. Obviously, yeah. you're currently running the same thing. Mine, though, I'm not using either of the cards that you have, and I think that shows that there's no definitive answer to you should be running X, Y, or Z. Yeah, and I've I've flirted with follow me in and out, in and out, in and out of my list. But mm. I'm the kind of player where I like to burn my power. I like to look at a character that has a ton of power and can do all the cool shit and do all that stuff. You know what I mean? So whenever I see, like, I have no problem with people playing follow me. It is super strong, super powerful. And and if you play that, more power to you that... This is not me saying like, oh, what? Only a-holes play follow me. No, no, no. no, no it's it's cool. I, I have no problem with people playing that. So I think follow me is fine within the restrictions of it being restricted. Absolutely. So outside of that, I think it can get a little bit silly, um, sort of stacked up with other cards. However, with it being restricted, I honestly think it's fine. Yeah, 100%. 100%. John, how do you feel about all this discussion? Um, I I think tactics cards are an interesting one. Um, I think in terms of the banned and restricted list, as we've said, it's in a good spot. I think the cards that needed to be sorted have been sorted. I think there were some combinations that were not only horrible for new players, but were horrible for competitive play because there wasn't a great deal you could do about it. Um, But AMG has been great at listening to it. They've been great at kind of reading their community and seeing what's going on. And they've made changes to keep the game in an exceptionally good spot. It is still the most fun, personally, that I have on a tabletop whenever I roll dice and I push models around. And that is down to the fact that it is being changed. It is being tweaked. You are listened to. And actually, they're doing their best to keep the game as open and as flowing as they can. Yeah. Now, I do want to, in the context of roster building and all, and squad, and I'm with you on the fun part of, of this game. Every time I put this game on the table, I am having a good time. For the most part, bar... One instance where I just got diced all to hell, but that's neither here nor there. So (laughs) one point of criticism I want to levy at AMG, and it's not a, I'm not trying to be negative or anything, but it is, I think, a valid point of criticism. And I understand it's also probably the hardest part of the game to design around, and that is crisis. And at this point... I think I know where you're going. Yeah, like... We have two extract crises, 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 something like that. Let's go to crises. Crises, yes. Crisi, there you go. Crisi. That's how we do it. I'll go with it. Crisi. Crisi. Two crisis. Okay, so we've had two crisi, extract-wise, that have been banned, leaving us with only nine to choose from on the extract side. And then when we get into Secure Crisis, I'm not going to count all these, but we have a lot more. And it's one of those things where I don't ever want them to do away with an extract crisis, or like with the extract crisis. I don't want them to do away with how the objectives are a group decision between the players and and how, how that kind of part of the game. I think that's a core fundamental thing in the game. But I definitely feel like there's been a lot of stagnation in the crisis front lately. And I'm very interested to see if AMG has anything up their sleeve to shake that up a bit. And I, I want to yeah. know, 
John, do you feel the same way? Yeah, we've had this conversation over here amongst players and myself and Aaron a few times. We haven't seen a Chrysy release for a little while in any of the character boxes, which was their big ML before. Yeah. You'd buy a box that contained a leader for an affiliation and there'd be a new crisis in it. And you could run it and you could play it. We've had a few now that haven't got any. And it does feel when you play a lot that you're repeating the same combinations and the same things over and over and over because people are optimizing lists to those to some extent. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, this is completely unfounded, but I am convinced AMG have a plan up their sleeves and they are going to drop a box that contains a host of crises probably for the next 12 months or so, so they don't have to tie them into affiliation leaders, which only makes the game more accessible to everybody. So I'm kind of hoping that's the way they're going, and it will breathe some new life into the game at the end of this year or the start of next year, when we suddenly get a host of new missions for us to try and work out and fiddle around with. Yeah. Aaron, what do you think? I think that it's fair to say AMG have been very much on the ball with everything so far, and I think the absence of Chrysoi in new character packs is a sign that we have a crisis pack on the way. That's what I'm holding out for. Um, I, I honestly think, you know, the guys over at AMG, so Will, Dallas and whatnot, are very much clued into the game, very much know what they're doing, and I would 110% say that a crisis pack is on the way, just because you know, we've been able to trust them to make the right decision before. I think they know that that's the right decision now, and I believe that's what they're going to do. So I wouldn't be surprised to see it very soon, to be honest. I think that's what we're going to get. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I I, I hope so. And it's one of those things where it's it's like John said, you know, everybody's kind of used to playing the same stuff. And not that it's a bad thing. I think having familiarity and comfort with the the crises that you're putting in your list and with what you could expect to see on the tabletop of your opponent is a good thing in terms of the competitive scene and, and being able to kind of figure that stuff out. But just in general, though, it just uh, kind of makes the excitement level just tuned down just that little mu- little bit, you yeah. know? And, and that's Yeah, where... I agree. We, we all like new crises. We all like trying to figure out how stuff on the tabletop works. And, you know, sometimes stuff is just fun to play when it's new. Exactly. Exactly. And so with our new word we've decided here, crisi, would you say that there is a crisi crisis going on right now in MCP? Oh. I don't think it's quite a crisi crisis. <laughs> I think the crisi crisis can be avoided with new crises. But until then, we're going to have to make do with the crisi that we've got. However, new crises would be very welcome in Marvel Crisis Protocol, and Crisis I do think are on the way. Yeah, and don't cry while we wait for this Crisis of Crisis Protocol. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> so good. Cool. So I know that was kind of like a very bird's eye view and and not very in-depth discussion on roster building per se, like I maybe had mentioned there at the beginning of the show. But I think it was one of those things to, to kind of get some ideas about how yeah. people think about it and stuff. And Suits, let me know if you would like to do a in-depth roster building episode for House Party Protocol. I will be more than glad to uh, to make that show a reality. I love that kind of stuff. And just uh, you know, send me messages like I said earlier and like I'll say at the end. And uh, let us know if that's something you'd be interested in. We can... Uh, 
get some people on here, build some rosters, have some fun. But yeah, we definitely be down for joining you for that as well. Oh yeah, no doubt. I would. Uh, I'd have a whole bunch of people on there for that one. So I think it'd be a lot of fun. So now let's go to some show questions in our Discord to kind of finish off the show here. And this is one of those where I asked these questions a while back and it's just been so busy. I, I haven't had a chance to get to them. So let's start here with Dakota. He says, I'll give you a million dollars, but from now on you can only wear shirts three sizes too small. Do you do it? I mean, yeah, for a million bucks, three sizes too small, sign me up. Yeah, works for me as well, John. I don't know if we can get a smaller shirt on you, John. You're already quite thin. I also need to work out if a million dollars will last me until the end of my days because I work in a school and I cannot afford to be barred from working with children for wearing a shirt that is far <laughs> too exposing. So I need to do the maths first, but in theory, I'm good with that. Yeah, no, that's fair. And uh, I mean, look, if you invest it right, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I'll crunch the numbers, but it sounds good. Yeah, sounds good. Seems reasonable. So Nemesis Nate says, who are you wanting to see in the new Weapon X affiliation? John, I'm going to go to you first. In the new Weapon X affiliation? Um, Ooh, I don't know is my honest answer. We're obviously going to get Wolverine. We're going to get Sabretooth. I'd imagine possibly maybe they give Omega Red an affiliation and they drop him over that way. Um, I could see somebody like, uh, is it Miriko, who was Wolverine's Japanese lover who becomes Lady Deathstrike? I think that would be quite cool. Yeah. Um, I think she'd probably be my top pick to see in a Weapon X, to be honest. Okay, cool. Yeah, I like that. For me, it's Psylocke. Like, she'd be, like, my number one choice of of characters in a Weapon X affiliation just because she's super cool and, like a, like, a psionic ninja. I mean, that sounds awesome. What about you, Aaron? Uh, it's got to be the one and only Venom because in the re- in a recent run, King in Black, they sort of errata it and change it around a little bit to say that he is a uh, sort of military program designed entity. So if we could somehow get Venom there, uh, I just want another symbiote. Will that's all I want? I want him affiliated somewhere. <laughs> so that mm. that would work for me. Nice, nice. So let's see here. We've got. Schultzy, he says, you're on a rooftop at night in a showdown with your evil twin. His gun went flying during the scuffle, and your wife has picked it up. She's not sure who to shoot. What do you say to make sure she doesn't shoot you? Aaron, I'm going to start with you. (laughs) It's quite funny, as I honestly think... I would just shout something extremely offensive regarding either like myself or my wife, um, because she would know definitely then that is me, as I do admittedly have a very, very potty mouth. I do try not to swear on here or on the YouTube, but I think um, at home I do <laughs> sometimes just have a potty mouth. So I think something along those lines would make her realise it's definitely me, um, as only I can be that ridiculous and silly and still come out with swear words. So I think that would probably work for me. Okay, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, just random potty mouth things. So 
the thing is, like, what I would say to my wife, so we have this kind of running joke between us, like, I'm kind of a big, dumb idiot a lot of the time, it's probably shocking nobody, and uh, so anytime I do something stupid, say something stupid, or, or kind of goof off or whatever, I, I go back to her with, well, you said yes. And so I would probably be like, remember you said yes. Nice. You know? Yeah. John, what about you? I mean, how much does my evil twin know about me? Like, can I get away with code words or do they know all of my potential code words is the question. See, I'm going to assume um, they don't know the code words. Like, cause look, this is this work. in this scenario here, Schultze has not said that he's like evil twin with your memories and all that stuff. I'm assuming just well, like a doppelganger. That, that, that opens up some things. Yeah, that, that makes things a little bit easier. Um, I'm, I mean, there's a number of words I could shout that I'm not going to explain or go into stories for on a podcast because my wife may murder me. <laughs> um, so I think realistically, I think if I shout 13, she's going to grasp an understanding of what that is and hopefully shoot the other dudes. Will, I'm also going to give code words with no context. So my two code words would be pineapple or rats. Oh, there you go. There you go. So now, now hopefully your significant other is going to listen to this and be like, pineapple, rats. That's him. Don't shoot. Definitely don't shoot yeah. him. Definitely don't shoot the man shouting pineapple and rats. Definitely don't shoot that one. And so, don't shoot the man shoot, shouting 13 either. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we, we sound like we're going to activate our own winter soldier. Pineapple, 13, <laughs> rats. <laughs> Red truck. Red truck. Hello, yes. Yeah, exactly. It definitely sounds like that. Cool. So we've got Darth Nader here scrolling down a little bit. There's a lot of questions. I'm unfortunately not going to be able to get to them all. What, in your opinion, is the worst affiliation and what would it take to bring it up? Also, why does everyone malign OG Daredevil so much? I'm going to take this one to start. In terms of worst affiliation... It's probably just, and and this is a very nuanced and interesting discussion, I think worst is relative, right? And I think when you look at it from a, what is the worst leadership ability? What is the worst, like, collection of characters? Like, how do you define that? I think it's, I'm going to come at it from a worst leadership ability that doesn't really provide that much of a a utility to the broader team. And so I'm going to go with that point of view. And I think it's X-Force because I feel like that that leadership is a little narrow and like getting a reroll is great, but not being able to reroll a skull or just the, kind of the, the only the once, you know, kind of thing. Like, I, I don't know. It just feels, feels a little lacking for what X-Force wants to do. And that is they are the mutant hit squad. So like, they need to murder stuff. And so I feel like that would be kind of worse affiliation air quotes for me. Also, as it relates to OG Daredevil, I have many, many, many reps with OG Daredevil, and he is still one of my favorite characters just in general. But why everyone maligns him so much is because if the dice don't go your way, he is an incredibly dicey character. And if the dice don't go your way on defense specifically, he just gets 
deleted so easily. And he only has threes across the board. He's only going to count the blanks against physical and energy. And then he's got five and five health. So he just crumples if you roll... If you only roll one block on attacks and, and you get attacked twice in a turn, you're probably dazed and then KO'd subsequent turn after that. And, and it's just hard a lot of times with him. And so putting him in a position to succeed means requiring him to be a four-threat character in a slot that he is that, that we have other four-threat characters that fit those roles a little better. And he, he can you know really pop off with a devil's deliverance in the right situation, but those right situations don't really appear as often as it would be required to have this character in a roster is kind of the way I think about OG Daredevil. And uh, Aaron, I know you have some experience with OG Daredevil as the Web Warriors player here, but you take this question next. Um, So I'll start with Daredevil this time. I personally rate him. I think he's pretty solid. I think largely, though, a lot of the issues are what you said, and can, that can be echoed quite a bit. I just think people might expect a little more from Daredevil specifically as a character. So I know one of our local guys, Owen, loves Daredevil. And he is adamant that he should have some kind of damage reduction or a higher health pull. And I have to agree, I think it would be very fitting. Uh, if we've if you've seen the Netflix series that's now on Disney Plus, you know, that that guy could take a lot of punishment. So it, it does feel a little bit that he doesn't feel how he should. And I think that's an important thing in Marvel because almost every character does feel that way um, and mm-hmm. does feel the way that they are meant to and the way that they come across in the comics and in on in the MCU. So largely, again, we'll just echo in what you've said. I think we've come to expect a lot from four-threat characters as well. Though. I think we had the era of Enchantress and Medusa. You know, we had Dr. Voodoo. For me personally, Venom's still phenomenal. Uh, now we've got Crimson Dynamo, who is seeing an awful lot of play, uh, at least locally over here. So I think four threat is a very contested position. So to be in a position where you're not necessarily as strong or able to compete, I think that's maybe why people uh, dislike Daredevil. I personally though think if you set up for it properly, you know, you set up for that big Devil's Deliverance turn, he can really put in the work and get you what you need out of him. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and and that's where I am with it as well. John, what do you think? Uh, I think in terms of Daredevil, I think he does a decent amount of stuff, but he does feel a little subpar for his fourth threat, and part of the issue with him is where he's affiliated, because in Web Warriors, he's probably not doing enough for fourth threat. You've got Gwen who's doing pulls and pushes. You've got Parker at fourth threat who's doing pulls and pushes and has some re-rolls on defense and survives more. If you put him into Avengers, you've got Black Panther. And I know they're not the same, but they both move long. They've both got some defensive tech. Panther seems to stick around for longer. He can hit a little bit harder. He's got some inbuilt kind of re-roll functionality and things. He's He just doesn't seem in a great spot where he's affiliated and where he's not affiliated we've already discussed that there are potentially better options or people are trying to run more affiliated characters to make the most of tactics cards. He's just in a bit of a weird spot, but on the tabletop, he's actually quite good and you can get him to work. It's just, he's maybe not at the top end of those affiliations he's in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's about it right there. 
And uh, last thing I want to say here is we've got Dojo DC is the last one we're going to talk about, his questions here. So he says, what would you like to see in new crisis cards? Which unrestricted slash unaffiliated tactics cards do you feel have to be in your list? And who is the best mal counter in your opinion? So I want to go with uh, in order here. What would you like to see in new crisis cards? And for me, it's something where the grab and go and run off into a corner mechanic is minimized, right? So maybe that means that you're forced to drop it or you're forced to drop to have a roll of some kind or some kind of way to mitigate the run into a corner and hide to finish off a game kind of thing. Like that's a part of the game. And I don't think you'll ever as AMG be able to completely get rid of something like that. But I definitely want something that brings people together. Like maybe an extract card where the more enemies that are around you, you get some kind of a benefit. You know what I mean? Some Something interesting in those ways to kind of make players engage more instead of go hide more. So let's start with all, let's answer all of these in order one by one. John, what about you? Um, I kind of want to see something completely funky and random and that you've got no real control over it. I'd quite like to see some kind of extract that you pick up and similar to spiders in kind of the cleanup or the power phase, you roll a dice and on a particular thing, it just kind of resets to where it was at the start of the game. So maybe you're catching Asgardian magical imps. I don't know. And in the power phase, you roll a skull and, oh, well, unfortunately, it's gone right back to the center and it's reset. Um, that does a very similar thing that you were talking about. It stops people grabbing them and running off and then hiding away. It stops potentially somebody like Black Cat holding three of them in the far corner with stealth going, come get me if you can. Um, it also makes the game completely uncontrollable and untenable and would just be absolutely amazing to watch all of them just reset and you have to go back to where you were. Yeah, nice. Aaron, what about you? Um, I think having a, a an extract that really punishes you for holding it. So, like, very, very, Dark very random stuff. Uh, very, very much, like, drags you down. So, whilst you're holding this, this extract, you have the effects of several different conditions. For example, like incinerate slow. Um, but I'd love to see one where it's not just a single extract that has that. So there's, say, four points on the board that all have these negative effects. I think that could be interesting. Um, one that I was toying around when I was trying to make some custom scenarios was one, as John said, where it resets back to where it was at the, at the end of each round or during the clean, uh, power phase. And again, one where during the cleanup phase, everyone has to drop them, or maybe one where... During the cleanup phase, you either have the choice of taking two damage or dropping it within two. So I think there's lots of interesting um, possibilities, and I'm hopefully going to say that some of these might be on the way. Yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. So next up, which unrestricted, unaffiliated tactics card do you feel have to be in your list? I think we overall covered that earlier, and I think that it's a bit subjective in that for me, it's Brace and Indomitable and definitely Brace pretty much all the time just because I, I have PTSD from getting crap thrown at me. But I, I think that it's a very subjective thing, and I think that the biggest ones, though, that by and large are, are more or less universal are things like Brace and Patch-Up 
and everything else is very much like flavored, like what was seasoned to taste. Aaron, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think the I mentioned a couple earlier that I don't think you need in every roster, but they're definitely worth looking at just because they are good answers to lots of situations. That's Mark for their mission objective. Um, for me, the unaffiliated card that every roster should have is Lethal Protector. It means you have to bring Venom, but that's just me personally. Um, I feel every every roster can benefit from that. And he did say unrestricted slash unaffiliated, and I realized I did not actually you know read the question and answer the question. So, uh, in terms of marked, you know, like marked for death, I think is a really really great one that if I'm I'm playing, and and I feel like I'm going to be needing that, trying to deal with stealth, trying to deal with characters that get rerolls. So, uh, people play that into me a lot as a convocation player and keep strange from getting his re-rolls. And uh, I, I think that would be probably a really high one. Mission Objective is another one that I think would be super critical. And then uh, one other one that I think would be really good, and especially with something like the Sentinels coming out, I think this is going to be in my list, period, full stop. It's Smash. Yep. So... Anyways, John, what about you? Um, I'm a big fan at the minute of Grievous Wounds. It's unrestricted. It's unaffiliated. We know healing is at a premium currently. So the ability to be able to pay to prevent somebody from removing any damage from around at the moment seems super strong. Oh, yeah. I, I like Grievous Wounds a lot because the way healing and everything works in this game and how much of a premium it is right now. I think that's a really good call. So, last part of this question, and the last thing we're going to talk about, who is the best Mal counter, in your opinion? And, uh, honestly, I think Hulk is pretty good, and, like, the obvious answer would be another Mal, but I don't want to do... I think Hulk is a very good counter. I think he can put out the hurt. I think um, Sentinel Prime is a pretty good choice into Mal as well, but uh, what do you guys think? I think it's got to be She-Hulk. She-Hulk is so good into Malakif. Yeah. Um, add the dice equal to his size. You know, she can throw him around a little bit. I would really think she's a great, great choice into Malakif. She can slow him, and if he's yeah. already got slow, she can then stagger yeah. him. If he's staggered, his efficiency is horrible. She-Hulk at the minute is probably my favorite pick going against Mal. I think at least in our local scene, um, I think most people would agree with us that Shield is the is sort of one of the best answers to Malakith. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And it's very, very rare actually that you see Shield being the answer to something where she's not more expensive. So the fact that she's one threat less than Malakith yet can deal with him pretty well is really useful. It is, absolutely. Cool. So Fellas, I got to say thank you very much for joining me today. Where can people find you? Uh, so we are mostly now over on YouTube at Web Warrior Protocols. However, the website is still up and running um, where you can go through our backlog of nearly 100 articles, I believe, talking about the game, you know, special conditions, different characters and breakdowns. So it's just Web Warrior Protocols for me, Will, is the tag you'll find me under. Uh, we've got some really exciting things coming up, um, some collaborations with other YouTube channels, which should be cool. Um, as I said to you earlier, Will, we're going to be uploading all of the episodes that we've done together to our YouTube, 
So that's going to be really awesome as well. Oh yeah, it's going to be great. And uh, make sure to check the link in the description here for a link to the YouTube channel. That's where I will will send everybody. Make sure to go check out Aaron and John. And uh, John, where can people find you? Uh, I am a tag along with Aaron, obviously on the Facebook. Um, and then I'm in the chillest, realest, coolest Discord ever, which is yours. Um, yeah. And then I'm also in most of the other Marvel Discords and on Facebook, just as John C. Harris. So you can find me, but I do tend to spend most of my time just lurking, watching yeah. others. John is sort of, um, I keep him in cages. I bring him out for battle reports and podcasts. So usually you'll find him in a video with me or on a podcast with me, but he is there lurking and always watching. He's always watching. Yes. So uh, that's awesome. And uh, I really say again, I can't say it enough. I appreciate you guys being on with me. And uh, to the suits out there listening, I appreciate all of you immensely. Every person that gives me their time, I, I can't say enough about how much I appreciate that. And I hope that every day you get something of value out of this podcast. Every time you listen, you get something of value. If you ever feel like you're not just let me know. We will try to make whatever changes that we can. And I hope that the audio quality is always great. All of that stuff is very important to me. And if you would like, you can leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. And it helps other people looking for Marvel Crisis Protocol content find their way here. And it's a great way to support the show and stuff like that. Also, if you want to support the show... And you like what we do here, you can check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol for as little as a dollar a month or 12 bucks a year. You can uh, support the show. It helps support our giveaways, helps support hosting, stuff like that, kind of keep it really chill and whatnot. And and just trying to keep keep the, the thing running over here for House Party Protocol is basically all that's for. So I really appreciate all of that. And to all the suits over there, I, I can't say enough about how much I appreciate your generosity and everything like that. So with that, though, we have to finish up with our final secret code word for the Sentinels giveaway that we're doing. And uh, I, I think it's got to be Chrysai. Oh, 100% Chrysai, definitely. Chrysai. So I will let you guys figure out how to spell that. And look, even if you send me something... Totally off the wall. As long as it somewhat sounds like Chrysai, I'll, I'll take it. And uh, I can only imagine some of the stuff I'm going to get. So we've got Chrysai and the beautiful game as our secret code oh, words cool. for this week. And uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, seeing what everybody sends me there. And I appreciate all of you very much. Can't say that enough. And with that, party on, Aaron. Party on, Will. Party on, John. Party on, Will. And power down suits.